When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. One of the things that I love to hate about the end of the year, and Mark, you can back me up on this, is the the end of the year stories. It's always the, oh, here's the people that we lost this year. Here are the uh, the top events of this year. Here's things you forgot about this year. And then next week will be the preview of 2023 stories, right? Here's what we have to look forward to. Here are the... Uh, predictions for 2023, it's lazy, and I absolutely will be engaging in all of it. A lot of lists. A uh, lot of lists, also so, known as the laziest the, form of journalism that exists. 100%, and yet I just I buy into it every year. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a lazy uh, talk show host. Uh, maybe it's because, uh, listen, as we talked about yesterday, Mark, you know, the A-teams, are they're all on vacation, whether it's uh, radio or news or... Uh, you know, TV news, whatever else it is, they're all on vacation. So it's up to us. What I called the B team, but I think you you properly uh, corrected me yesterday by saying that we're the the special forces radio team. We're basically radio team six, the special 40. operators. That's exactly right. Special operators, perfect, perfect. So we're we're spec ops. Um, as spec ops, uh, I think we get to be a little bit lazy. So that's what we do. I was looking at one of those fantastic lists. One of the things that bugs me is that the lists are usually pretty predictable. So I always appreciate when somebody gets, I don't want to say out of bounds, but they sort of hit from left field a little bit. Uh, and Michael Hiltzik from the L.A. Times, he's a business columnist, did that. And I think this is great. Um, his article says, "'Tis the holiday se- season when we pundits look back at the most uplifting moments of the last year and ahead to what may gladden our hearts in the next." He says, "'But I'm not doing that.'" He talks about, instead, um, the year of fails. Oh, yes. See? This is a fantastic list. Maybe it's the cynic in me. Maybe it's the fact that I just get bored with the same old, same old. But he's basically like, here's the crap 
from 2020, 2022. Here's the absolute garbage. Here's the stuff we thought, but we were corrected because the year went on. I love it. It's fantastic. So uh, uh, Hiltzik goes on to say, here's some of the things that were major fails. One of the biggest uh, was the Musk mythology. And that is that Elon Musk is not a god. Um, the notion that if you're a billionaire, you must be brilliant or at least smart has been reduced to a smoking ruin thanks to Elon Musk's misadventure as the buyer and tweeter-in-chief of Twitter. It's fantastic. Uh, until this year, Musk's role as Tesla CEO was the key factor in the company's buoyancy. Despite its dubious profitability and persistent issues with delivery schedules and product quality, his behavior at Twitter has opened the floodgates of long overdue reporting about his mismanagement capabilities. Excuse me, about his management capabilities. Uh, in just the last week, some of Tesla's most dependable cheerleaders in the financial world have turned Musk turned on Musk by suggesting, shockingly, that Tesla's sycophantic board should rein him in or even find a new CEO. This is totally true. We have known for a long time, and this is coming from a guy who's been a big proponent of Teslas. I think those are fantastic cars. They're beautiful vehicles. I should note, however, that the they came in now dead last. I was just seeing today in reliability. Uh, that's not a good sign. But I think they're cool cars. I've thought this since, since that, that Tesla Model S came out. What a beautiful vehicle. Fantastic. The follow-ups, you know, that the that SUV with the gull wings, that was kind of a miss. Uh, I thought that the, is it the Model 3? That's the one that's kind of the affordable one, right? I thought, that's a, there you go. Now you're getting people into the market. It's a it's a competitor to, to GM and to, to Ford. Cool, that's great. Was watching their stock today, and it is just in free fall. Just an absolute uh, bomb. Just, just, it is dropping. Uh like uh, uh like uh just dropping i could use like those bad analogies and drop it like it's hot or whatever but you know i'm not gonna do that uh so anyway yeah uh that's one of the big fails of this year and frankly it's deserved because all of tesla's stock was built kind of like cryptocurrency where it was sort of speculative and people were we're buying the stock thinking this is going to be huge. I got to get in now. Even if the stock is overvalued now, it's undervalued for the long run. They were getting into it. Now people are going, uh, I don't really see what the future is since the CEO is a bit unhinged. Speaking of crypto, that's the next thing uh, that Hiltzik points out is cryptocurrency is a giant fail. A lot of this comes back to what's going on with uh, that Sam Bankman-Fried guy, the guy from the, the FTX, and you've probably watched this, how FTX lost billions of dollars overnight and, and how they were they were borrowing from their investors to, to invest in other stuff. And as the market tanked, everything tanked, and it's just been a disaster, an absolute disaster. I'm not quite ready to say crypto is a complete fail. In fact... Uh, one of the points that's being made by uh, Hiltzik is that uh, cryptocurrency uh, is is nothing. Uh, he says cryptocurrencies are a scam. They uh, There would be assets with no intrinsic value other than what their holders can persuade some fool to pay for them. My issue with that is that what Hiltzik has just done is described all fiat currencies. See, the difference is fiat currencies are backed by governments, but truly, there is no intrinsic value to that dollar bill in your pocket. It has no value. 
the value is the the the, the cotton fiber paper that's been used to print it on uh, can be used for kindling. That's it. There's no value to it. So this notion that oh, cryptocurrency has no intrinsic value. Neither does paper money. It doesn't. It's just what we decide we're going to assign to that piece of paper. In this case, it would be cryptocurrency. So I'm not ready to to jump on the whole cryptocurrency as a scam. I still think moving forward, we're going to need a digital currency. But yeah, there's some definitely some growing pains and some massive fraud going on. And this is a huge example. Uh, he also points out another fail of 2022 uh, watchdogs for COVID conspiracies. The independent journalism organization ProPublica sent, uh, spent years establishing a reputation for smart, painstaking investigations. That came crashing down in October when it unaccountably joined up with a conspiracy theorist at Vanity Fair to push a long debunk claim that the COVID virus escaped from a Chinese biology lab before spreading worldwide. That was the early rumor, right, that was sort of being pushed by some of the conspiracy theorists. And it sort of went away. And then late this year, it came back like, well, maybe it did happen. Come to find out, no. The evidence that it may have happened was just a rehashing of the old conspiracy theories that got picked up by reputable sources who didn't do their diligence in vetting their own information. So, yeah, the watchdog is a massive fail in this case. And I would, by extension, say media. Uh, was a massive fail in this case. Journalism in general, a giant failure in 2022 when it came to that sort of information. Uh, The promotion of the red wave. Oh, the red wave is coming. There's going to be this massive turnover in Congress. And look, history would have pointed out that Anytime you've got a president of one party and uh, Congress of that same party that in the first midterm it, it switches, history over the last 50 years has shown us that that is nearly always the case didn't really happen this time around. Sure, the majority has changed, and come January 2nd, I believe, uh, we're going to see Congress switch control from the Democrats to the Republicans, but not by a huge margin. Certainly wasn't this big red wave uh, that was being pushed. Uh, also, another fail was the strength of the, uh, the Russian bear uh, and how Russia just is not what Russia has ever believed to be, or we've ever been uh, told that Russia is. They're just not the the big adversary. In fact, Hiltzik goes on from the LA Times to say that it's more like, um, uh, I don't want to say neocons, but let's just say people who are pushing hard for uh, military might to create some sort of an enemy that we can all rally behind and say, look, this is a real danger to us. We need more money for the Defense Department. And then only to find out, eh, they're really not. Not a big deal. So some of the big fails. I love to, again, I love to review things. I love the twist on this, that it's not, oh, here, here's some of the celebrities that we'll miss going forward. And look, that's deserving. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to be a little bit nostalgic at the end of the year. But I, I like to also remember the full context of a year. Uh, the good and the ugly, as well as many of the bads uh, that go on, too. He does talk about what's coming up in the next year. And I thought that was pretty interesting, the 2023 predictions of failures. Uh, He says it's tempting to speculate about what might be the biggest fails of 2023. Hiltzik says he doesn't think Ron DeSantis has the the staying power to be a national figure in 2023. Um, Let me see. What else? Uh, Oh, yeah. The investigation of Anthony Fauci that the House GOP majority says they're going to be launching in the new year. Uh, Hiltzik predicts that the effort to turn this widely respected scientist into a villain will evaporate. 
in a uh, mazma of ignorance and stupidity, as we'll talk of prosecuting him, most recently promoted by that paragon of sober judgment, Elon Musk. Hiltzik then goes back to the one thing I disagree with him on, and that is that crypto will still be dead. Crypto may be low for another couple of years, but as we've seen over the last decade, crypto ebbs and flows and will come back. I wanted to I wanted to expand just a little bit on some of that crypto angle, specifically the FTX mess, uh, because we're seeing the FTX meltdown. That was the crypto exchange that Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, the head of. Uh, we're seeing that play out in the courts now, and it's sort of bringing us to another fail, and that is our blind justice system. All right, so that's next. How blind is our justice system? Depends on how much money you have. Maybe our justice system needs LASIK. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere. That uh, iHeartRadio app. Silicon Valley may be changing. It's hard to say exactly what's going to be the end result of this uh, FTX meltdown, this crypto exchange meltdown, the the Sam Bankman-Fried mess. This dude, and I don't know how old this guy is, but he he looks like he's about 30, maybe a little bit younger. uh, And he's got kind of that... Silicon Valley style going on, you know, the the disheveled look. Um, That may change. It's possible that we stop seeing shabby chic being the cool thing from Silicon Valley. Uh, It's possible that the Mark Zuckerberg hoodie is no longer in. Uh, It's totally possible that people have to start wearing suits to their professional jobs again. For some of you, you're thinking, good, it's about time. Uh, I think that's horrible because uh, that means I have to buy suits and um, my weight fluctuates like Oprah. Uh, the idea of me having multiple suits for whatever weight mood I'm in uh, sounds horrible. I don't have enough closet space for all of that. Uh, so I'm hoping that the shabby chic sticks around even though the the purveyors of shabby chic are kind of doltish if it doesn't i may just opt for the handle chic and fill my closet with cargo shorts and hawaiian shirts may go for that fascinated watching this guy remember he he got uh, basically blamed for the entire meltdown and he went from having billions of dollars to he claimed only having a hundred thousand dollars the sam bankman freed and then he took off and was in the bahamas so the united states wanted to bring him back there was an extradition request sent, and he said, okay, I'll abide. So he comes back to the United States, and he came back, I believe yesterday is when he got back to the United States. He had a, a hearing today where he was uh, allowed out on bond. Uh, I think we got a little bit of the, the updated audio on this from uh, Channel 7. Yeah, go ahead and play that, Eric. Businessman Sam Bankman-Fried is set to make his first court appearance in the U.S. this afternoon. Bankman-Fried is the founder of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX and is charged in a plot to defraud investors of millions of dollars. He was extradited from the Bahamas this week, and two of his top executives have already pled guilty. ABC's Alexis Christophorus with more. 
Sam Bankman-Fried, the former CEO of collapsed cryptocurrency exchange FTX, left the Bahamas Wednesday night, arriving in New York after being transferred to FBI custody. He's realized that fighting extradition is a fool's errand in the Bahamas. The argument would have to have been that they got the wrong Sam Bankman-Fried, and that's just a ridiculous argument to make. Federal prosecutors announced eight criminal charges against the 30-year-old former executive that included fraud, conspiracy, money laundering and campaign finance violations. They alleged he defrauded investors and diverted billions of dollars in FTX customer money to his hedge fund, which he then used to fund his lavish lifestyle, as well as risky personal investments and political donations. In an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos last month, Bankman Fried denied knowing FTX customer funds were being improperly used. Did you he didn't know? know that these funds were being funded to Alameda. I did not know that there is any improper no idea. Uh, use of customer funds. Two former colleagues of Bankman Fried, <laughs> Caroline Ellison, chief executive of Alameda, and Gary Wang, who co-founded FTX with Bankman Fried, have pleaded guilty to federal charges and are cooperating with prosecutors. The that U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York urging others to come forward. If you participated in misconduct at FTX or Alameda, now is the time to get ahead of it. We are moving quickly and our patience is not eternal. In addition to the criminal charges, Bankman-Fried is facing several related civil suits from the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. What are the odds that other people that may have been involved in this, and there had to have been others involved in it, it couldn't have been done by just these three. What are the odds that they step forward and are like, hey, listen, FBI, yeah, that's my bad too, so... If you want to just cuff me, I'm I'm good for it. That's that's fine. I, I feel like they're probably lawyering, lawyering up and trying to get away with as much as they possibly can. Now, maybe some of them, their lawyers will say, "Okay, listen, we're gonna we're gonna present ourselves at the mercy of the court." Eh, I'm not so sure. Not so sure that's gonna happen unless they have something really damning that they can use in the prosecution against Sam Binkman Freed, which I don't think that the investigators need in this case. The the end result, though, is that we see once again the discrepancy in the justice system. So if you and I had done something wrong, let's say that we embezzled $50,000 from our employer. We would likely uh, be held over on some sort of a bond that we, or excuse me, a bail, and I want to explain that in a moment. We'd be held over on some sort of a bail that we couldn't possibly pay. The bail that was set for Sam Bankman Freed was $250 million, and the court accepted uh, a recognizance bond to the value of $250 million. And it's been accepted, and Freed is being released. Now, the conditions are a little bit, I don't even want to say onerous. The conditions are that he has to stay at his parents' house, which is part of this uh, bond, and that he has to wear an ankle monitor because they're concerned that he might be a flight risk. Guy that says he only has $100,000 is somehow able to post a $250 million bond. How does that happen? Now, you might be thinking, oh, he probably just shorted all of his own investments. That's genius. Of course. I know. I'll short sell my own stuff, then I'll tank it, and then I'll be uh, super rich. You might be wondering if Elon Musk is doing that to Tesla right now. Probably not the case. See, the deal is the difference between bail and bond, and... uh, Journalists do a terrible job on this. Bail is basically what the court sets. 
They say, this is your bail. If you want to be free until trial, you have to pay this into the court. It's the money paid to the courts as a deposit. It's basically a lien on the promise to return for your trial. A bond is a reduced amount on the bail deposit. It's an assurance that's guaranteed, right, that that if you don't show up for your court case, then the courts will seize certain properties or finances, and those will be forfeited. So what happens is you've heard of bail bondsmen. So let's say that you get, again, picked up for your uh, embezzlement of $50,000, and let's say that they set the, the bail at twenty grand. You might go to a bail bondsman, and the bail bondsman will charge you 10%, $2,000. And the bail bondsman will go to the court and say, listen, I will put forward a bond, and that bond is for twenty grand. So if this guy doesn't show up, I'll give you the twenty grand. In the meantime, the bail bondsman gets to pocket the ten percent, the two thousand dollars. That's his fee, his or her. I don't mean to be sexist here. And that's why Dog the Bounty Hunter goes out if somebody skips town because all of a sudden the bondsman is out eighteen grand and they go, I gotta recover that money. Right? So the difference between a bail and a bond, basically bail is the full amount paid as a deposit to the the courts. A bond is an insurance policy. So what Freed did is he basically got this insurance policy, and his parents' house is part of that insurance policy. So if he skips town, the courts get to seize his parents' house in Palo Alto, which is probably not worth $250 million. I don't know how they made all the numbers come together, but the courts accepted it just the same. Not bad, though, to go from FBI custody to being house arrest in Palo Alto. Not bad. Pretty solid. We'll go around town next. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. This week at Safeway, enjoy big savings with the BOGO sale, where select items throughout the store are buy one, get one free. With this week's BOGO sale, get select meats like Signature Farms 90% lean ground beef or boneless skinless chicken breasts or thighs, buy one, get one free. Plus, select fresh produce items like one-pound containers of sweet strawberries or containers of blueberries or buy one, get one free. Safeway, come in and explore and see what other deals you can find. It's Chris Maryland for John and Ken at KFI AM 640. And uh, Blake, uh, help me understand what's happening here in, in the way that only you can uh, from the KFI <laughs> newsroom. I, I know we're uh, we're looking at that eviction moratorium, which is still going on. This has been in place for, uh, well, we're coming up on two years here this spring, right? Exactly. And you know, when you hear about extensions to the eviction moratorium, sometimes the first, I mean, at least for me, the first thing that goes through my mind is I didn't even realize that these were still in effect. They kind of... Yep become, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and then we hear about one of these extensions. So, yeah, L.A. County uh, has extended its its uh, eviction moratorium until January 31st. That move would align the county with the city, which also has its evictions protections in place until the end of January. Now, Chris, this may not be the end of extensions. The county has ordered a report on keeping the eviction moratorium through June 30th, County staff are also eyeing the creation of a $5 million relief program. Daniel Eugelson, he's with the Apartment Association of Greater L.A. Uh, let's go to bite one. He says landlords aren't happy about this. Many of them are teetering on the brink of financial disaster today. You know, in the worst cases, some landlords haven't been able to collect the rent owed to them for nearly two years, in some cases wow. more than two years. And so I hear from landlords all the time who are today facing foreclosure. They're having challenges being able to pay their necessary daily expenses just to keep up their lives and support their families. Hmm. 
Now, will that $5 million save the day? Let's go to bite two. That is like spitting in the wind, unfortunately. Uh, there's billions of dollars that's owed. I think the latest count in California was nearly $10 billion of past due rent that was owed. And so $5 million is really not going to do nothing more than Squat. maybe put a Band-Aid on a couple of rental property owners. The, the county is just doesn't know how to handle this situation and forcing private property owners to put up what I call private welfare is just completely unfair and unconstitutional. And that's why my association continues to press its lawsuit. Wow. That lawsuit, Chris, just so you know, is basically on the merits of this is it, this has just gone on too long. That's what they're alleging in their lawsuit. They're they're looking for a, a complete injunction. To just have this whole thing thrown out. They're saying, you know, it, it's been far too long. And, and as Eucleson explains to me, some landlords are actually leaving ownership because of this. Who's yeah. buying their places? Big corporations. OK, so what are the big corporations doing then if they've got renters that aren't leaving and they're not paying? How does that benefit the big corporations? You know, well, I think they probably have the uh, the financial means to take it on the chin, right? Unlike a small mom and pop owner. But you know, he he supplied me some of the numbers. More than eighty, he's saying more than eighty percent of people in L.A. County. And when you think about this, five million dollars going to mom and pop uh, landlords, he's saying more than eighty percent of landlords in L.A. County are small independent owners. Right. So that's five million dollars for them. Um, now, another update on L.A.'s housing. This time we'll focus on L.A. City. Yesterday, Chris, you and I were speaking about uh, Karen Bass's Inside Safe initiative. Of course, she launched that yesterday, announcing the details of moving homeless people into motels while they build affordable housing or while they master lease hotels. And yesterday, the big question really was, is the state going to get involved? I'm sure you remember we played yep. that audio from the housing chief who said, yes, the state is going to get involved. Well, I didn't realize that she meant less than 24 hours. Um, <laughs> All a right. state delegation headed to City Hall today. Yeah, a state delegation headed to City Hall today. These were the heads of many state departments. Karen, uh, Mayor Karen Bass says these, were, these are key departments in um, solving homelessness. Um, it was a roundtable-type meeting. It actually took place at the very top of City Hall. You know when you're looking at that tower and you're yep. going, what's up there? These meetings. It's yeah. <laughs> a good so view. They, uh, uh, so, anyways, Lourdes Ramirez uh, is the secretary of the Business, Consumer Services, and Housing Agency. She says the state's ready to partner up on this. Solving housing and homelessness is an equally urgent priority for Governor Newsom. He has been clear that solving homelessness and increasing the supply of affordable housing requires an all-of-government approach, including city and county coordination and sustained efforts across every level of government. This is why I'm so pleased to see so many leaders here from the city, from the county, from the local continuum, from the housing authority, uh, all of us working together with a sense of urgency to remove barriers to the development of affordable housing. All of us working together to keep people housed, to rehouse people that are experiencing homelessness, and to connect housing and human services systems together. Blah, blah, blah. And... 
Well, now I guess that just leaves the federal government. And again, this was the plan that uh, Mayor Karen Bass campaigned on, bringing, you know, multiple levels of government together to uh, to try and solve this. And as we said yesterday, it's early in the administration. Uh, I believe today would be a day 11. And uh, so we're still early in the administration. But time will tell if uh, if this is going to prove to be effective. Uh, so Blake Trolley uh, in the KFI newsroom. Let's let's go back to the eviction moratorium, if we may, because you, you've got a couple of topics here. We could do an hour on each one. Uh, <laughs> talk to me then about the the properties that are on the the brink of being foreclosed on, or or some of those uh, rental properties that are being foreclosed on. The landlords are taking it on the chin. The mm-hmm. renters really have almost no responsibility in this case. The renters uh, ultimately, what is the punishment to a renter that they have bad credit? Uh, coming out of this? One of the things that I found out was that the uh, the same association, uh, Daniel, so the Greater, uh, the Apartment Association of Greater L.A., they filed an earlier lawsuit. I, I found this to be somewhat interesting. They filed an earlier lawsuit uh, uh, seeking an injunction. They said that this whole thing was unconstitutional on a couple of bases. They said, one, the government should not be meddling in these private contracts. They also said it was unconstitutional uh, because the language was vague in how landlords uh, could enforce this. So um, while, you know, it's unclear, I mean, of course, you know, anytime you owe money, as you say, yeah, your credit score will go down, you file for bankruptcy, there's all sorts of, of things that could happen in that direction. But one of the one of the key rulings that was made on this just a few months ago, as it was explained to me, is that a judge ruled that the language needed to be made clear on how landlords could enforce this. Apparently, landlords didn't know if they could actually enforce proof out of tenants. So landlords, so a tenant could say, I've been impacted by COVID-19. Based on the old language of the county's eviction moratorium, landlords were unsure if they could actually demand proof of that. So recently, the language was changed just to make sure that landlords uh, or just to make it clear that landlords can, in fact, demand proof that somebody has is is being impacted by COVID-19. And, you know, when we talk about the extension, this go around, uh, officials aren't just citing COVID-19. They're they're talking about this triple-demic. I think it, uh, we should at least talk about cause here of why the eviction moratorium is uh, being extended. And they're saying COVID-19, the flu, RSV, that's the county's position on this. Um, the apartment association tells me, well, you know, again, their their stance is that this has gone on too long. They point to the Super Bowl. They say we had thousands of people come to L.A., come to L.A. County. There seemed to be no problem there. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to side with them. You know, when we're in the throes of the pandemic to start with, and we had businesses closing left and right, and we had, uh, you know, businesses that were shuttered because of state uh, mandates and whatnot, you know, it's a little different situation than what we're in right now, for sure. When we talk about proof, what kind of proof do they need? I mean, is this, you have to show that you've been, that you filed an EDD claim of some sort, uh, that, that you don't have a job that is COVID, you know, that it, because of COVID, that you can't find work? Um, that you're not receiving any sort of benefits. It it seems like there are other uh, measures in place to help those people who are affected by COVID. Uh, Two years later seems like a long time to keep relying on this thing from 2020 uh, to say, well, you know, COVID is the reason I can't pay you rent. How are you getting groceries then? I mean, what's the... Right. at, At some point, maybe you're behind on rent. That's one thing. But people that are just not paying rent because they can't be evicted, that's somebody who's gaming the system. 
Mm-mm. Well, I think I, I think again, yeah. Of course, there's a there's many different types of proof that you've been impacted by COVID nineteen. It's it's a little surprising to me that it took so long to demand proof that you've been affected yeah. by COVID nineteen. Um, and you know, another thing, another point about this extension. Um, one of the points I know the motion made as well, and this was part of this whole extending it out to June thirtieth, is um, the the motion stated. Well, this will give landlords and renters an opportunity to come together and 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 have a day like have a set day that this is going to be over and i have a i kind of have a feeling a lot of landlords are at at this point are going you know at least based on what's you know being told to me by this apartment association are probably saying you know we're we're good with just ending it whenever (laughs) you know we're not looking for a specific day right they just want to start getting paid or they want to you know figure out what they're going to do if if a property is foreclosed on it's what was the the term that was used by the uh, the apartment guy that is uh, private welfare i believe uh, if we're at yes. that point where somebody says, I can't make the payment on my own investment property anymore because my renters aren't coming through, I can't evict my renters, I can't make right with my own business because of this moratorium, um, so the property gets foreclosed on and then it goes back to, what, the bank? What does that do to the renters? Then the then the bank all of a sudden is on the hook to make sure that the renters have some place to live? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, you, you could kind of go on and on and on, right, with who's, who right. the financial burden is going to fall on. And it it sounds to me, though, like the common practice here is that corporations go in and they buy up this they buy up this housing. And, you know, another another thing to just point out here is is uh, Yukelson tells me a lot of these landlords, they are, these are not career landlords. They have other jobs. These are investments. These are side investments to bolster their retirements and and things like that. So a lot of these people are are really drawing from that aspect of their life to stay afloat. Yeah, I get the feeling you talk talk about the corporations coming in. I'm guessing the corporations are looking at buying these things deeply discounted, Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe not collecting rent for the next six months, but then then all of a sudden they've got the equity. Uh, As soon as the moratorium Mm -hmm. is over, they evict the tenants and suddenly they've got equity in a home that they can sell for double or triple what they paid for it, uh, you know, right about now. Or renovate or renovate. Yukelson was saying that a lot of them, Yukelson was telling me a lot of them end up buying these, they buy these buildings. And then he said this is actually, you know, hurting affordable housing in the sense that these corporations buy up these buildings and then they knock them over and renovate them into something oh, yeah. much more exquisite. So, yeah, that's a, that's another whole other element of this uh, as as per the uh, Apartment Association. That is frustrating. I certainly hope that we come to some sort of an agreement. I don't want to seem unsympathetic to the people that are, are finding hardships, but I believe that the number of people who are still suffering those same hardships is not significant enough to keep running that bill up to, would you say, $10 billion? That, uh, well, and that was well beyond number. Yeah, and I should... I should point out that was a state number, but as he says, more than 80% of landlords in uh, in L.A. County, if that's true, he's saying more than 80% of them are, are small independent owners that are that yeah. are uh, taking this one. Yeah, and I buy it, too. I believe it. I mean, we've always been told real estate is a safe investment, and now we're finding out, mm, nope, not, not the case. Uh, Blake, always great reporting. Thank you so much. Blake Trolley out of the KFI Newsroom. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Have a, have a very uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, Happy New Year, and everything else that goes with it, my friend. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care, pal. Uh, While the moratorium may go on, there is one institution in Los Angeles that is coming to an end. Never to be seen again. Something you may have even shared with your grandparents. I'll tell you what that is next. It's Chris Merrill. I'm in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. Hey, uh, Mark, you were talking about that Mega Millions jackpot. I just bought my my ticket today because I thought... 
man, Mega Millions is up to half a billion dollars, and we're barely talking about it right now. Yeah, half a yeah. billion. $270 million if if you take the cash option. Man, I just pulled it up. I went to uh, LotteryUSA.com, and they do all the, the math for you on the taxes. Now, California is one of the states that has zero uh, on, the, on the, the taxes if you win the lottery. Most states have some tax, but California, Florida, Delaware, uh, zero. New Hampshire, if you uh, if you win the lottery, they don't hit you. South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, uh, similar. Wyoming, similar. So you're not going to get hit with an additional state tax on that. But if you do the, the the cash lump sum option, as you said, 270, which is a it's a it's a little high based on what Mega Millions has shown us right now, but not too much. Basically, you still have to pay your federal taxes at 24 percent. So the way it pans out, if you win the Mega Millions jackpot, which is $510 million right now, half a billion, then by the time you're done uh, taking your cash lump sum and paying your taxes, you will collect $202 million. So you're only collecting about 40%. That's nearly enough to buy a modest house in L.A., that is not enough <laughs> to pay the bail for Sam Bankman free. No, it's not. And yet not. that guy is chilling in Palo Alto at his parents' mansion. Um, not bad. Not bad, I suppose. Uh, could you get by in $202 million? I suppose we could. But it is a bit of a downer when somebody's like, oh, I want half a billion dollars. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you have half a billion dollars? Oh, no, I have less than a quarter million because of taxes. And that's in a state that's tax-friendly. If we were to go to New York where they charge you 10% tax... Uh, hold on, i got to pull this up. Yeah, New York, it's almost 11% tax. If you win the $510 million Mega Millions jackpot and you bought your ticket in New York, you're going to collect $173 million, $174 million. Oh, boo-hoo. I know, but it does seem like, wait a minute. But Eric, Eric please identify yourself this, as it? the originator of the boo-hoo so he doesn't confuse Still, us either again. way. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> But, you know, that's really incongruous about California, bearing in mind how much they absolutely hose us for taxes in every other respect. I mean, I'm also a freelance writer, and boy, oh boy, do they nail you on taxes for that. Oh, self-employed is the worst to be in California. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. My wife's got a business that, uh, that, you know, being in California, but her business is registered in Arizona, you'd think that would make a difference. No, California's like, oh, no, we're still going to hit the hell out of you. Even though your business isn't even done here, we're going to hit the hell out of you. Terrible. It is brutal. Uh, Oh, boy. Sad times there. Uh, You see that the pony rides are gone from Griffith Park. Uh, This made me a little bit sad. Uh, Let's just play a little bit of that that clip from ABC7 there. Uh, On the last day of operation of the iconic pony rides and petting zoo at Griffith Park, a confrontation took place. It was animal rights advocates versus those in favor of keeping the place open. There was tugging of each other's signs, and park rangers showed up to keep things peaceful. The pony rides have been an L.A. tradition that dates back to 1948, and it's now coming to an end. For some parents, they came when they were kids, and now it's them bringing their kids to ride the ponies one last time. The wait time was four hours. So the, uh, the the pony rides are going away, and a lot of this has to do with the, the protesters who said that the ponies were being mistreated, and, and it was, you know, they say, this is not... Look, I don't want to see anybody's animals being mistreated, right? But at the same time, if the animals aren't being mistreated, they're ponies! I know, they're mini ponies, but they're, whole, they're also giving rides to mini humans, too, right? So it's not like we're putting my fat ass on top of one of those Shetland ponies and trotting around in a circle. So, uh, I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm sorry to see this go. I am. 
if if that means that we got to have uh, somebody come in and take a look and see how things are treated and make sure that the the owner is on the up and up. And by the by the way, the owner did uh, interviewed with ABC Seven too, and he says, "Listen, the only complaints that came in were from protesters, uh, and the vets that they had said that the ponies were fine. Just the same, uh, it was enough brouhaha in Southern California to have somebody in the in the political process say, "Oh, we just can't do that anymore," and now it's gone. Operated since the late 1940s. Think about this. You may have somebody who was a child that enjoyed those pony rides before the Korean War. You may have a kid that was born uh, right after the end of World War II that enjoyed those pony rides and then took their great-grandkids to ride the ponies, and the whole thing ends because the protesters successfully convinced L.A. to, to ditch the pony rides. I have to ask you, I'm since I'm not from here, did they strike you as cruel to the animals? Uh, everything I've seen, No. Uh, I mean, I didn't grow up in Southern California either. Uh, Mark. As someone who uh, rode them as kids, I didn't see them no? ever mistreated. Right. I mean, I've seen pony rides in other places where I grew up, Mark, maybe you had the same thing. It was like, you know, the, the traveling carnival would come through and some mm-hmm. of those would have petting zoos and they might have the pony rides and things like that. And I got to tell you, that life seemed a lot harder than the ones who were permanent at Griffith Park. So, no, thanks, Eric. I appreciate you backing us on this. I don't, it it didn't, didn't strike me as being awful. Not at all. But I think this sort of follows the whole elephants in the circus type thing. Like, oh, it's terrible. You can't have animals doing animal things. Yeah, they're animals. No, we're not prodding them. We're not having b- bullfights. We're not bear baiting. We're just, it's ponies carrying kids. It's not cruel, nor is it unusual. They're ponies. It's what they do. All right, we'll talk about this holiday travel mess, and it is a disaster nationwide. Next, Chris Merrill in for John and Ken. KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.